0: Joshua chapter 1. Now, last week, we talked about the children of Israel. We talked about why they were in the desert, why they stayed in the desert, how they couldn't get out of the desert. And so we're kind of picking up where Moses leaves off. And it says this in Joshua chapter 1. It says, After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, and said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan river into the land i am giving them i promise you what i promised moses wherever you set your foot you will be on land that i have given you come on this is the the josiah i mean the joshua promise the promise that we can believe that in our lives that wherever we set our foot because king jesus has given us dominion that land will be given to us, which means that it will be given to the kingdom of God. So whether that's your workplace, whether that's at home, whether that's your campus, wherever you set your foot, God will give you that place. And I, I love how this story starts off, God comes to Joshua and is like, Moses, your leader's dead. <laughs> but the promise isn't dead. See, promises don't die with a person. Promises are eternal. Uh, Promises don't die with a person. God's promises and plans have no expiration date. So you might think that you're jumping on this train a little bit too late in life. Can I tell you that God's promises don't have an expiration date? As long as you're breathing, as long as you're walking, God's promises are waiting to be activated. So many times we say we're waiting on God's promises. No, 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 we're not waiting on God's promises. God's promises are there. God's promises are waiting on people. So we must be a people that start walking in to everything that God has for us, that we won't be satisfied with life in the desert, life surviving. But we won't be content without promise. So we see this. This was promised to Joshua. Then he goes in the scripture we used last week, be strong and of good courage. And he keeps telling him that. Be courageous, be strong, and have good courage. Joshua was like, okay, Lord, I think I get it. But he needed all that to go forward. And we see in Joshua chapter 3 that Joshua sends out two spies into the city of Jericho. Jericho was going to be the first city that they had to overtake. How many know that just because you enter into promise doesn't mean that everything is going to be easy? Sometimes you still got to throw the enemy out. So he sends a couple of spies into into Jericho and spy out the land. And there's a story in there, a great story about uh, Rahab the harlot. And, uh, and it, but it's interesting that, that Moses also spent out, sent out spies. We talked about this last week that Moses sent out 12 spies and only two came back with a good report. So Joshua with some wisdom said, well, let's just send out two, <laughs> right? So he sends out these two spies and they, and they go out. And if you remember, Joshua and Caleb were of those spies. And in fact, that God told them, kill the children of Israel. This was 40 years before this. He said, he said the only people that are going to enter the promise is Joshua and Caleb. Everybody else is going to have to die off. And Moses could have got it, but because he was disobedient, because he chose not to obey the voice of the Lord, and chose to obey just the law, the thing that he had, had, in it, had going on, the thing that he knew, because he trusted in that and not the voice of the Lord, it actually kept him from entering what God had promised. There's a lesson there. So this happens, and then Joshua chapter 3, this is where we see the children of Israel start to advance in to what God has them. They're crossing the threshold. Now, between them and the land that they're given is this river called the Jordan. And again, if you do a word search on your Bible software or Google Bible or whatever it is, I don't, they don't have Google Bible yet. So one of you guys are going to develop that. That would be cool. Um, But you could search out the word Jordan. All throughout Scripture, there's a theme of this river called Jordan. So it says this, early the next morning, Joshua chapter 3, verse 1. Early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left the Acacia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River where they had camped before crossing. Three days later, I mean I love the third day. Three days later, the Israelite officers went throughout the camp giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them. Since you have never traveled this way before, they will guide you. Stay about half a mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the Ark. Make sure that you don't come any closer. Then Joshua told the people, Purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. In the morning, in the morning, Joshua said to the priests, lift up the Ark of the Covenant and lead the people across the river, across the threshold. And so they started out and went ahead of the people. And the Lord told Joshua, today I will begin to make you into a great leader in the eyes of Israel, of the Israelites. Now, how many know that Joshua was already a great leader, but God was going to show everybody how good of a leader he was? How I many know that sometimes you don't get the recognition till after you put the work in? I know that everybody wants recognition, position, all that kind of stuff before they do any work, but it's just not the way it works. So God said, hey, you've been leading for this long. Now I'm going to show the people that you're the leader. I'm going to let it be known. I've known, but I'm going to let everybody else know. And how how many of you are grateful when God does that? I'm going to let everybody else know now. Give this command to the priest who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan, take a few steps into the river and stop there. So Joshua told the Israelites, come and listen to what the Lord your God says. Today you will know that the living God is among you. Verse 14. So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan. And the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was harvest season and the Jordan was overflowing, overflow, its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the Ark touched the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up at a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is, which is near Zarathan. And the water below that point flowed on to the Dead Sea, and to the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. So this morning we're talking about crossing the Jordan. Or you might say crossing your Jordan. What is the thing that is keeping you from the next place, the next season, the promise of God? What is it that is standing between you and what God has given you? And how do you cross that? How do we get across the threshold to enter in to God's best? What is standing in your way? And most of us already have the answer, don't we? A lot of times it's a secret. The secret we think nobody else knows, but they know, right? The first thing you need to do is be a little bit vulnerable. If you can't if you can't humble yourself enough to state how weak you are and be real with people, you're never going to cross the Jordan. You're going to have to. It's going to take a community to get across this thing with you. Come on, how many? How many you know? How many of you've done it? You've tried to do it by yourself. It just don't work. I, I know for me, I try to do it for a long time, but I need people to help me. Come on. The word Jordan actually means, in in the Hebrew, is Yarden, which means descender or flowing downward. Isn't it interesting that, that that this river that flows downward represents the downward flow of heaven, the downward flow of God's heart to bring us into the next place. Uh, the Jordan River, always a transitional place. We see Elijah. You guys remember Elijah whenever he went up to heaven and he caught the you know, uh, the whirlwind and he, the chariot and it was taken up and all this kind of stuff. He crossed the Jordan River. And then right after he crossed it, his spiritual son, Elisha, crosses the Jordan. So transition point. And then he crosses back over, transition point. We see Jesus living his life, doing his ministry, just living life, really not even doing ministry, until what? We see him baptized by John in the Jordan River, the place of transition. So the Jordan in your life, the difficulty, the thing that you're up against, the thing that's keeping you, is very key for you getting to the next place. But you got to be willing to say, yes, God, I'm ready to cross the Jordan. So i got three things for you today because I'm a pastor and we like to do things in three. The first thing that you have to do is just what the Israelites did that day, what Joshua told them to do. He said, prepare yourself, prepare your hearts. He says this in verse 5, purify yourself for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. See, we want a move of God, but we're not willing to do anything on our end to see the move of God happen. We just want it to kind of happen, right? Now, this the beautiful thing is about this. Because we live under the new covenant, we don't have to purify ourselves. In fact, let me tell you this today, that you can't purify yourself. Your good will never outweigh your bad because you have a, a guy inside of you. Right? Or a woman. <laughs> Hopefully, you women don't have a guy inside of you. Well, all right. So... You have, a, you have a person inside of you that is, that is wanting to do things, right? All right, trying to, trying to, trying to. Oh, we got a young church. All right. But listen, you don't have, listen, you don't have to purify yourself. In fact, you can't purify yourself. You can't purify your thoughts. You can't purify your heart. The bad thing about the old covenant is they could do all this religious stuff, and at the end of the day, they were back in the same situation they were before they did all that stuff. But thank God that he sent Jesus to be a permanent purification for you, that you can be pure in the sight of God because of what Jesus did, nothing to do with what your works were. See, Joshua is a picture of Jesus. In fact, the name Joshua and Jesus in the Greek is the exact same name. And in the Hebrew, Yeshua, God saves. It's Jesus that brings us into the promised land. See, Moses was a recipient of the law, was he not? But he was not a recipient of the promise. See, you can have the law all day long. You can have your deeds all day long, but until you're a recipient of the promise, you have not entered into what God, what God has for you. So don't tell me about how good you are. Tell me about are you experiencing God's best? That can only be done by the, by the grace of God. And I love this, Joshua 1.17, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus. So how do you purify yourself, you think about that? You think about what Jesus did. You think about that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Do you have some things in your life that need to line up? Absolutely. But not because you're so disciplined, not because you're so good, but because you have your eyes fixed on the one who purifies you. Listen, principles are good. Moses had principles. Principles are good. Laws are good. But wandering around with great systems, great principle doesn't get you anywhere. It just leaves you in the desert frustrated. So you have to have the grace of God. You have to have the grace of God working in your life. You're not that good. You're not that solid. But because of what Jesus did, you can position yourself for promise. You can position your heart. How do you position your heart? By being good? No, by trusting the goodness of Jesus. However, we align ourselves with that. Are you with me? We say yes, God. We say yes to all that Jesus has done. That word purify actually is the word consecrate. And the word consecrate means that you set aside for the purposes of God. Now, many of us, we come to Jesus, we give him our life. We say, oh, yeah, Lord, here, I want to go to heaven one day, so I'll give my life to Jesus. But we don't really consecrate our lives. We don't really say, I am for the purposes of Jesus. We say, I'm for the purposes of Josh. This is my purpose-driven life. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I want to see happen. This is how much money I have in the bank. This is how good I am at my job. But no, 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 you devote yourself to God, and you say, I'm yours. I'm for your purposes. Whatever I say, whatever I do, wherever I go, I'm for your purposes. It's not about Josh Brown. It's about Jesus. So God, have your way in my life. How many of you know when you're in God's will, it's God's bill? So he takes care of it. Right? God's will, God's bill. So you just consecrate yourself. You say, God, I am for your purposes. Do with me what you will, and you will see that this will be the thing that will initiate you into your promised land. So what do you need to do to consecrate yourself? I, I think you need to make better habits. How many of you got some bad habits you need to break? Pretty uh, Right? Listen, it's not just about getting rid of the bad habits, but it's about developing some good habits. And so you need to develop some good habits in your life because habits are the thing that produces lifestyle. And you want that lifestyle of con- uh, consecration. You don't want just a moment, say, God, I'm pure. No, 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 you want a lifestyle. It says, my life belongs to God. I am no longer my own. I've been bought with a price. My life is now hidden in Christ. I'm about the purposes of God. What? It, listen, that doesn't mean you're going into full-time ministry. You're already in full-time ministry, whether you get paid for it or not. We're all in full-time ministry, whether you're a, a doctor or a janitor or a McDonald's worker. Wherever you are, you're a minister. God didn't have a plan B. All right. So what are you doing? What are you doing to consecrate yourself? Think about that for a minute. What am I doing? How do I know that I'm living a consecrated life? Listen, your purity is in Jesus, but what are you doing to set yourself aside to say, God, it's not about me. It's about your purposes in my life. We got so much of this me-driven, greatest God in America is me, right? Me, 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 this, you better you, better He's even Christian bookstores. Better you, better you, better you. God don't want to better you. He wants a different you. Now Preach. And I just did. All right, number two. So number one, position your heart. So get your heart ready. The purity is taken care of, but you just align your heart and say, yes, God, it's I'm, I'm for your purposes that I'm alive. And number two, you bring the presence. We see this, that God told the children of Israel, he said, hey, you 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 uh, saddle up the priest to carry the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant represents uh, the presence of God in the Old Testament, represents the Holy Spirit. And so he said, you saddle up, you put the the the... Ark of the Covenant on your shoulders and you walk and you you go and you touch the Jordan. Now, he told the other people that weren't the priests to stand back. Well, why? Because there was reverence for the presence of God, so we can't go there. But how many know that when Jesus came, he tore the veil? So, no longer are you an Israelite that stands back and observes what God's doing. You actually get to participate. You don't spectate. You participate. So we're not spectators of God's presence. We don't come to the church and be like, oh, man, Leslie, the way you sing. No, 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 we do that, right? We're not spectators. We're participators. And let me just say this. We're not pati- just participators. We are initiators. We're initiators of God's presence. Listen, did you know wherever you go, God is there with you? Did you know that when you walk and people talk, oh man, I just wish I could be a, a safe place where I'm just around Christians all the time? I don't want to want be easier. I just want to sit around and, and just have a bunch of Christians so I just feel good. How many of you know that when you go into a place, God shows up? Because you've got the Holy Spirit inside of you. And so when you show up, God shows up. That's right, it is a law. It's the law of grace. He's in you, He's not leaving. You can't screw this up. You can't. He's in you. Now, are you acting like that? Are you quenching the spirit? Because you can quench the spirit or you can unleash the spirit. So you bring the presence. You know, one of our values here at Overflow is that we value the presence of Jesus every time we gather, everywhere we go. We believe that when Jesus shows up, he reveals himself, he speaks, he heals, he transforms lives. But listen, you have the indwelling presence of Jesus to cross the Jordan. You have the presence in you. You're not observing from half a mile back going, oh, yes, God, we honor you. Yeah, you're a great idea, God. No, no, no. You are an initiator. When you step out, the presence goes with you. Look at your neighbor and say, the presence goes with me. So you get to bring it. You get to bring the presence. We we pray so many times, right? I'll pray this. I'm like, God, would you bring your presence? Would you come today? How many of you know that God's just waiting for you to go? Okay, God, come on. Now listen, we can ask for revelation. We can ask for that to become more real, more tangible, more manifest, whatever vernacular you want to use. But will you bring the presence of God? We're not spectators, we are initiators of the presence. Listen, when you hit the water of your Jordan, so does He. Heaven has a portal on earth. It's you. You are the gate of heaven. You're the gate of heaven. The presence of Jesus is inside of you. Let it out. <laughs> Bring the presence. Come on. Everybody loves Jesus, so they say. Oh, yeah, Jesus first, right? Bring the presence. So the next level comes by focusing on the presence, on the presence of Jesus. 2 uh, Corinthians 3.18, which is really what this uh, whole series is based upon, but with, we who with unveiled faces beholding in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed. You're being transformed. You're crossing the threshold from glory to glory. You're going for the nec- through the next place because you're focused on Him. Not because you're so detail-oriented, or because you're so disciplined, because you're not. You do what you love to do, right? <laughs> we do what we love to do. Priorities happen according to, not because we're so disciplined. Now, sometimes you got to get the discipline before it becomes pleasurable. But how many of you have ever done something you didn't like, but you learned to love it? So sometimes you do got to put the discipline up in front. Because I know that I, I could tell you, I could probably get a lot more amens. Just do whatever you feel like. Do. That, that wouldn't preach real good, though. That wouldn't, that wouldn't work. Because you're going to develop unhealthy habits. But if you would spend your life gazing with an unveiled face at Jesus, you'll start watching the presence of God unfold in your life. You start, start having to work so hard To make money. All of a sudden you're realizing, I'm making money and I'm just doing what God's called me to do. Be a diligent worker. I'm showing up. I'm exuding the presence of people like me. Listen, how many know that religion will push people away, but the presence of Jesus will draw people? Well. So bring the presence. It's already in you. Number three. Take a step. Take a step. Get your feet wet. Right? How many of you know that that water didn't fall back before they touched the water? It would, would have been awesome if they were walking up and the, Psh! yeah. No faith for that. Now it tells us that the Jordan was 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 overflowing. It was. It was pouring on. But they had to step out. Uh, imagine being that priest that day. Whatever priest noise maids they make. No sacrifices. Right. Shingle shingle. Alright, whatever that is. And so they, they step out. Here the Jordan like here it is. It's a it's a river. It's deep, it's flowing, it's rushing, it's overflowing, it says, overflow, and then they go, boom, they got the feet wet, they stepped out, they did the unthinkable, it looks stupid, <laughs> right, <laughs> why are you? Can you imagine if there were enemies sitting on the banks that day? What are they doing? He's about to make a fool of himself. No, he's about to make a fool of you. <laughs> get your feet wet. I love this, Joshua 3.15. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up. Some of you, to cross that threshold, you got to get in the threshold. you got to say, oh, I'm going. And you watch. You watch it dry up, but you gotta step out. I know. I know how hard it is to step out. It's hard. That water's cold. That water's deep. That water's moving, but you gotta step out. You gotta move forward because you carry the presence. And if you don't step out into it, it, nothing's gonna happen. Nobody else is gonna cross. You're not gonna cross. You're just gonna go. Hey, can't we just build a city right here, Joshua? I mean, they could have. You can. You can continue living life like you're living it. You can do that. You can feel free to go ahead and do that. Or you can enter into what God has for you. You can keep living life, getting away with what you're getting away with, playing your little game, running around the desert, and never experience God's best, but until your feet hit that water, baby, until your feet to say I'm crossing, and I believe the word of the Lord, so I'm going. We had Jen over yesterday. She said that um, she said sometimes when you start preaching, you get real shaky, and I'm like, I don't know what to do. I was like, Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's the word she. I laughed so hard. She said I get shaky. I was like, What? I'm not going to try not to get shaky. But listen, listen to this. Kingdom dominion, you exercise dominion by stepping out. Kingdom dominion It's what you're made for. This is what we got in the garden, dominion. It's what Jesus said, right? You have the keys. You unlock. You're the portal of God. You're, you're the guy. You're the woman. Kingdom dominion brings kingly blessing. You want to see God's blessing in your life? Step out into what God's called you to do. You're not going to see. You might be able to survive in the desert, but you're not going to thrive. But it requires you stepping out. So I'll say this. What's the point? If you want God's blessing in what you're doing, then advance Jesus in what you're doing. Because kingdom mandate, kingdom blessing. When we're doing what God wants, he blesses it. It's like he's got a, a like a, a funnel, a blessing. And what we do is we go, we love the blessing of God. We love the blessing of God. Isn't God good? Oh, yeah, I love you, God. But listen, you need to get up under the blessing. There's things that God is already blessing. He's waiting for you to get into. But will you step into it? Into it? Will, you, will your feet hit the water? Sure, you can bless it yourself. It can have your blessing on it all day long. You can die with Millions of dollars to give away to your children's children's children, that doesn't make you successful. It's just money. Money sometimes is a sign of blessing. Right? I'd rather die broke. I'd rather die broke knowing that I've surrendered my life to Jesus, that I always put His kingdom purposes. I'd rather die broke than live like a fool trying to earn some kind of prestige or leave some kind of legacy, but no spiritual heritage. I'd rather die broke. 2 Corinthians 5.7 says, We walk by faith, not by sight." What is it to step out? It means we got to walk in faith. Uh We talked about this last week. I walk upon the waters, the great unknown. I'm going to walk out, yeah, while I'm singing, right? And then there's your Jordan, and you're like, I will call upon you. Right? Come on, step out. Step out, get moving. And let me just say this. Some of you, today, it's going to be a big step. Some of you, is just going to be little baby steps. And I used to say, I'll oh, forget that. Just jump right in. But but I want you to know that there's a, there's a God today that loves you, that's gracious, that knows where you're at, and knows that it might take as much faith for you to take a little baby step as it does somebody in here to go, right, to jump right in. I remember when I was a kid, there was this uh, pool in Odessa that we used to go to. Uh, called uh, Sherwood, Sherwood Park. And they had this pool. We, You know, this was in the 80s. You know, we had T-Top Trans Ams and aviator sunglasses and Bon Jovi. And uh, come on. And uh, so we would go to this pool during the summer. We paid a quarter to get into this public pool full of pee and urine and people. <laughs> right? You guys know what I'm talking about? So you guys you guys have been in a public pool. There's pee in there. there I'm just telling you, there's pee. If there's a public pool, there's pee in it. So so I remember going to this pool, and uh, we pay our quarter or whatever, and we had to walk through the shower or something. I never really got that. I'm like, you're letting people swim in the water. If they shower, they're going to be clean. Are you, are you saying if they shower, they're not going to pee in the pool? Like, they're going to pee in the pool. You guys know what I'm saying? I mean, every every little 7-year-old boy is going to pee in that pool as soon as he gets in. The water's cold. Right? Okay, we know. So, So we go to the pool. I need to move along. We'd go to the pool, and they had this pool. You know, they they used to do pools, like, extravagantly, and then people started getting sued and stuff, so they kind of, you know, become a little bit more modest. And so they had, like, the shallow end was, like, three feet, and the deep end was, like, 12 feet. I think wasn't it 12 feet. It was deep. And so they had, like, these slabs outside that people would lay out on, you know, as the 80s while they're blasting Motley Crue, you know. And uh, they had two diving boards at the end, well three diving boards. They had two regular diving boards, which are actually a lot higher than most diving boards you see now. And then in the middle, they had like this olympic size diving board. It wasn't an olympic like thing. It was like a diving board, like it bounced and stuff. And people get on there and do cannonballs, you know. And uh, they have, you know, their lifeguards on duty, and they're blowing their whistles and stuff. And I remember as a kid, we'd go to this pool, and And, uh, you know, I remember when I first started going, i just get in the shallow end. And, man, I love going to Sherwood Park on a, you know, on a summer day, on a hot summer day, running across the hot concrete with my bare feet. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I remember those days, but I remember that pool. There would be people that would go, and they'd hang out in the shallow end, and then there would be people that would go. The first thing they'd do is they'd climb that ladder up to that big old high diving board. I remember I used to go and climb that and be so scared, I knew that those were the last few moments of my life. Right? (laughs) Go and and, uh, I didn't even bounce on it. I would just kind of like, just kind of, kind of scoot off, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? You've done that before, right? You don't, there's there's no jumping involved. It's just kind of like stepping off, right? And uh, because you knew that water was 12 feet deep and you were probably going to drown, but you're going to risk it so you don't look like an idiot in front of your friends. And, um, but one thing I learned from that as I look back is that we're on the same water. Whether it's 12 feet, whether you're ready to jump off the high dive and get all the way down. We used to, you know, try to swim down and touch the bottom with our feet. 12 feet, get back up, you know. You knew that you could have died. You knew that you probably would die, but it was worth it, right? And I think today what some of us need to do is just take the next step. And for some of you, it might be jumping in the deep end. And some of you, you might not have that faith yet. Maybe you're just not there yet, and that's okay. Listen, that's okay. Will you just get in the water? Will you just let your feet hit the water? Will you just bring the presence to get that breakthrough in your life, to go to the next level in God? Faith is a big deal. In fact, it says this in Hebrews eleven six. it says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Mm. I thought God was pleasing me no matter what. Nope. you got to have faith to please Him. And faith steps. Faith moves. Faith acts. Faith works. And it works. It works and it works. It does work and it functions. Without faith, it's impossible to please God because whoever comes to Him must believe that He is and then He rewards those that diligently seek Him, those that go after Him. So, what in your life is it going to take to exercise some faith? For some of you, it might be volunteering some time to serve at church. Well, I don't have any time. Well, you need to step out in faith. Some of you, it might be starting to tithe, I don't believe in tithing. Well, how much are you giving then? Because most people that don't tithe don't give very much. Or maybe they give it all, like the New Testament model. Just give it everything. Some of you, it's praying for someone at the grocery store. For some of you, it's being nice to someone at the grocery store. (laughs) That's where I'm at. Some of you, it's praying for the sick. Some of you, it's healing the sick. Some of you, it's just thinking about the sick. Having some compassion. It's a step. Some of you, it's reading your Bible 45 minutes and praying for two hours every day. Some of you, it's meditating on one scripture and giving God five minutes. Now, it's not going to stay there. Some of you, it's leading somebody to Jesus. Some of you, it's inviting them to church so I can lead them to Jesus. Some of you, it's going up to somebody and handing them a flyer. Hey, come to church with me or whatever. Come to Jesus. Some of you, it's posting on Facebook. I'm at church. (laughs) Whatever it is, what's next? What's going to take you to get your Feet wet. So I want you to write that down today. Make a little note in your phone. What am I going to do to get my feet wet? What am I going to do to stretch myself a little bit? Listen, you stretch yourself and God will fill you. There is no doubt about it. There is no doubt about it. God's a rewarder of those that seek him. Amen? All right, who's going to play with me today? Who's playing? All right, let's get up here. Somebody. Somebody. Come on. So most of you, if you're like me, been in these moments before, you're like, okay, I know I need to start or I need to stop. I need to take a step in the right direction. All of us have it, right? I have things that I know that I need to do more of, need to do less of. I know there's areas in my life that I need to step out. Listen, I, I, I even hesitate to say this because the church gets so uh, such a bad rap on money. And it's really not about money. It's, it's just about doing with God what you'll give him. You do, giving to God something that stretches you. Uh, Leslie and I, about a year and a half ago, um, I heard a message by Bill Johnson that said he tithed 20%. I always say tithe, you know, just think about what you're giving to God and he said that they were tithing 20%. They never tithed less than 20%, and I heard that. I was like, and I really admired Bill Johnson. I was like, man, whew, 20%. That challenged me. So I said, Lord, I'm going to take a step, because we've been tithers our whole life. We always, God's always taking the real good care of us. And, um, and so when we moved out here, it was a real stretch for us, but we kept doing it. And so I talked to Leslie. I was like, I think we need to start, like, up our tithe, like fifteen percent. I mean, that's for most of us that's significant. That five percent. And again, I'm not bragging, uh, but like I felt like it was hard. It was not easy. I wasn't like, oh yay. I was like, I feel like God's want me to do this. I was going to step out. Can I tell you that when we started doing that, that our that our finances like just took off. And I was freaking out. I was like. I remember one month, we, we added up how much money we made that month, and it was more money than we've ever made. And I'm like, I don't even have a full-time job. I have a bunch of little part-time jobs. <laughs> nobody's, you know, nobody's really signing my paychecks for a full-time job except for God. And I remember when I did that, when I stepped out, it was difficult. It was hard. And listen, I'm not saying that this has to do with money. For some of you, it is money. For some of you, it's reading your Bible. But I can tell you, man, that God has blessed us because we decided to take that step. But you've got to step out. You've got to step out in something. Maybe it's talking to somebody about Jesus that you've been hanging out with. I'm not talking. Listen, if it's about inviting them to church, invite them to church. That's great. Whatever it is, what, what little thing can you do that you're not currently doing to step out and say, God, I want to see some things happening in my life. I want to see your blessing. I want to see kingdom advancement.